0: So getting into it, it was, it was fascinating to realize that there's so much e-waste that happens and I'm just learning how to build a business, learning a sustainable model. And then I had the fortune of learning from someone that had a very generous, where he was actually looking to drive social impact through his business model and uh, we end up rebranding the business so we can bring our mission of social impact and not just environmental impact, but bring that front and center.
1: Welcome to Mindful Businesses, presented by Sarani, and I'm your host, Padya Iyer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today, we have with us James Gordon, founder of Phoenix Solutions. Corporate Philanthropy Through Data Destruction, and IT Asset Disposal. Welcome, James.
0: Thank you so much for having me. really appreciate it.
1: All of us are guilty of this. We have in our possession old computers, laptops, flip phones, smartphones, just you name it. Varied versions of electronic gadgets. What percent of these electronic waste fill our landfills?
0: It's a profound amount. It's actually documented that only about 20% of uh, electronics and e-waste are collected and recycled despite high volumes of uh, precious metals and retrievable materials such as gold and copper and all of that e-waste.
1: I was under the impression a lot of it is shipped overseas. You know, it's not in my backyard. So I have this waste, I don't have a way to successfully and economically recycle it. Let me ship shiploads to a country which has um, the resources to handle this waste. Isn't a lot of it shipped overseas? Yes,
0: yes. I don't know of any actual refineries here in the US that process the uh, the materials and metals and everything generated in the, the e-waste process here in the US. There are actually a number of different certifications though that um, are really important to the computer recycling industry that actually track the whole downstream process and um, make it very transparent so that we actually know that when those materials leave the US and they go to a refinery overseas, that it's actually being recycled and processed uh, in a sustainable way and um, it's not actually ending up in landfills in other countries.
1: This is such a fascinating topic. I had a general idea that these things happened when my mentor, Dora Lutz, recommended you and your organization to me. I was totally intrigued. I am personally guilty of at least having four discarded laptops sitting in my basement. Yes. And, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure there are most people, most households have as many or if not more uh, with the iPads, the different versions of iPods, all of these different things, right? Exactly. And I went through your website after she connected me. There were so many new terms like data destruction. Mm-hmm. I can deduce what it is. And IT asset disposal.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So a lot of people, when they think of our industry, the first and primary term that comes to mind would be computer recycling. And sometimes they're like, then people get unsure that they're like, well, if you recycle computers, will you take cell phones? And what about my router and my printer? And like, all of that is actually comprised in that in, in the in the industry at large. But really, there's a whole suite of services that are happening when you, as a consumer electronics side or even a business, um, when you're receiving computer recycling services, you're actually getting the suite of services. You're getting the guarantee that the electronics are getting recycled. But then on a lot of electronics, you've got the data. And so that data has to get destroyed and then you've also got this, this uh, reverse logistics element to it, which is just a fancy way of saying the tr- transportation of assets from a client's location to the facility it's getting processed in. You know, And when you're dealing with thousands of assets and, and hundreds of tons of computers and, and electronic uh, waste on an annual basis, like there's a lot of transportation that has to happen. And then you have this whole area of what's called value recovery and it's a type of upcycling but really it just means the refurbishing and resale of electronics that can be kept in use and that reduces the need for you know more electronics and it gives people with uh, more modest income levels and opportunities to get really solid electronics and computers and stuff uh, and not have to pay full retail prices
1: we all remember the time when you actually could customize your computer uh, you could say, "I want this hard drive. I want this resolution screen. I want this keyboard." And, um, but now, isn't it harder to repair and refurbish? Because earlier, you could literally open it up and, like, switch out the motherboards, increase your hard drive capacity or your RAM capacity. Isn't it a lot harder to do it now?
0: It is. It is. It's actually one of the one of the big conversation pieces in the industry is the right to repair and navigating that in the the circular economy exchange it's a it's a very hot topic right now for sure
1: so what can be done to make it uniform for instance even if you think about the number of chargers we have the different types of chargers since cell phones became popular, right? If you just start with that, we have drawer fulls like I just feel I will need that one charger and, and I, I'm not ready to part with it. Just with those, why couldn't they just standardize it? Like the USB ports or now the USB-C ports?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's a great question. Um, I know a lot of times that the larger corporations are uh, very profit motivated. And so the different interfaces, there's a lot of Changing uh, in the technology, when there's improvements and advances on the technology side of things, it necessitates a you know a new type of charger, a new interface. But I, I we do see that trend changing with the USB C, and hopefully that introduces more more of a uniform approach to those types of processes.
1: Tell me what exactly you do.
0: So uh, I'm the CEO of Phoenix Solutions, and exactly as you said in the introduction, we're an IT asset disposal company, and so we're serving larger businesses, anything from you know a, a small business down the street with like maybe five to ten employees, all the way up to different Fortune five hundred businesses that have a much higher employment and team members. But for them, we're we're doing those four primary services of. Recycling any IT e-waste, doing data destruction for them, and handling the reverse logistics and the transportation of assets from uh, multiple locations for clients to our facility in St. Louis, uh, and then doing the value recovery. And that's just the process of refurbishing and in resale of electronics that could be kept in use.
1: So what percent of what you pick up is refurbished?
0: I would say about about half of what we get. And it, it does vary from client to client. Some of the businesses have a shorter life cycle. And so they have it built into their refresh cycle, that model that they turn over their laptops every two or three years, which means we're getting much newer inventories and then other businesses might have a longer life cycle, so you might be getting stuff that's you know eight to ten years old, and so that that older equipment we're not able to the cost and the what we'd be able to sell it for doesn't doesn't merit the time spent on it refurbishing it, and so a lot of that older equipment will get recycled, and the newer stuff would get, then get refurbished and resold.
1: And it's obvious that we all don't want things to go to the landfill. So, but electronics especially, why is it more important than? Than even, say, your tape recorder or your record player that you had maybe 30 years ago.
0: Yeah, so there's an excessive amount of lead in e-waste. And when that's released into the environment, uh, it could actually cause pretty severe damage to to kidneys, to, to human blood. And there, it could also enter, like affect the central and peripheral nervous systems. And so it's just, it's really important that the right types of facilities handle that and it doesn't leach toxins into the environment.
1: So you touched on data um, destruction. What exactly is that?
0: That is the the process of removing the, the any kind of data from a data-bearing device. And so... Uh, anything like your cell phone laptop computer it could be an all-in-one it could even be a flash drive you know or old like if you have stuff that's really old like cds and floppy disks things like that all of that's going to store data and if if you haven't formally erased or wiped that data off those devices then it's still being stored on that and so we're in the process of actually getting what's called a, a NAID certification, and NAID is an acronym, N-A-I-D, for National Association of Information Destruction. And it's one of the largest, most robust, globally recognized certifications for uh, data management practices. And it, it essentially, we, we track every data-bearing device that comes to our facility And specifically with hard drives, we're able to tie the serial number of that hard drive to the parent asset is coming out of like a laptop. And then we can either do what's called sanitization. And that is the process of triple pass wiping over that hard drive. And in that process, you're essentially writing over the current information and you're rewriting over it multiple times. And that's making any previously stored data on that device inaccessible. Or there's physical destruction and in our facility we're doing a crushing method which is putting a physical hard drive in a device with a hydraulic press that's breaking that the physical drive and rendering the platters on the inside unusable but in a lot of larger facilities just with the sheer volume they're actually using shredding uh, machines and even in that process we're actually recording the serial numbers so we have We've got proof of the destruction that's happening in our facility as well.
1: Doesn't the hard drive have the magnet? um, Has some of the rare earth minerals in it?
0: It does, yes.
1: So when you crush it, what happens to the magnet? Do you not extract the magnet?
0: Yes. So either with crushing or shredding, in the recycling process, we're sorting all these different materials. And you've got many different types of components and materials in all the different devices whether it be a printer a desktop computer a laptop a hard drive and in the downstream recycling process when we send materials to our different vendors we're sorting it and then we're either paying them or getting paid you know commodity pricing like you would with aluminum cans for those different materials and so then those facilities that are sourcing from a client like ourselves are sourcing from hundreds of others and they've got hundreds of tonnage of and you know tractor trailers coming and going on a daily basis which is the sheer volume that they're processing and so they're able to group it and then that from there those materials would um, go overseas and that specific uh, specific commodity a shredded hard drive would get refined and those different um, different materials and metals and stuff would get processed and extracted.
1: What are the rare minerals? Sir?
0: There, I know that there's gold, there's silver, uh, there's copper. Those are those are the few of the higher value materials. But you also have uh, what's called leaded glass. You've got mercury in some of it, and uh, there's palladium as well, and also copper. And uh, one, of the, one of the statistics is that if you were to recycle 1 million cell phones, you would actually be able to retrieve more than 35,000 pounds of copper, 33 pounds of palladium, 772 pounds of silver, 75 pounds of gold can be recovered by that, that, those 1 million cell phones. And it's actually noted that um, there's 100 times the amount of, of gold in, in e-waste than there is in gold ore that's been unrefined.
1: Fascinating statistics. There are also these other elements like cerium, prosium, erbium.
0: Yeah, yeah. we uh, it's, it's interesting in the industry because a lot of times, like for me, I end up getting into this accidentally. It was, a, it was a good opportunity that opened up when I was living in Kansas City. And when I started, I didn't know the difference between a hard drive and a processor. And so I just knew, I'm like, man, I like my Apple laptop. and. I have problems and I I take it to a friend that knows what they're doing with it. But so getting into it, it was, it was fascinating to realize that there's so much e-waste that happens and um, just learning how to build a business, learning sustainable model. And then I had the fortune of learning from someone that had a very generous model where he was actually looking to drive social impact through his business model. And it was really a cool experience. And I ended up working with him for about seven to eight years and uh, we end up rebranding the business uh, so we can bring our mission of social impact and not just environmental impact, but bring that front and center. And we kind of accidentally ended up in this space of uh, social entrepreneurship and, and then learning how to connect with corporate social responsibility and, and realizing that like this is a really important service to uh, not just further the the circular e- economy and drive uh, sustainability initiatives within corporations, but then actually having that dovetail in with with social impact as well has been it's been really fun for us.
1: In terms of giving back, how much has Phoenix Solutions? given back
0: over the last uh, eight years we've been able to give back over a hundred thousand dollars either in monetary contributions or in asset contributions and actually forty thousand of that was given just last year alone and the way that got broken up was a fifteen thousand dollar monetary contribution to charity water out of New York City and the amazing thing with Charity Water is that that one contribution will actually fully fund a, an entire water project for an entire community or school in Uganda. And that's the second year that we've been able to fully fund a water project with them. Um, we made a, a $10,000 contribution to a local nonprofit here in St. Louis called Oasis International. And they're working with uh, refugees here in St. Louis uh, providing human services in the form of home furnishings, and English classes, citizenship classes, and really just meaningful connections and community for refugees in St. Louis. And we've actually worked with Oasis International for about five years now, and we're also making asset contributions. So um, of that 40000 contributor contributed last year, Fifteen thousand of that was in the form of fully functional refurbished computers that went to oasis that they were in turn able to give to the refugee families and a lot of times this is helping them facilitate their job or a lot of them are going back to university here in the united states and it allows them to, to facilitate their schooling and really do life i mean we're constantly functioning on technology and a lot of times these families uh, don't have the resources to acquire that stuff. And so we love the work that Oasis is doing and and are just so pleased with it. And it's one of the things that's massively exciting about what we get to do is we're, we're actually relatively small uh, as a recycler on the, you know, on, in the scope of just sheer volume in the U.S. And so... We're excited about growing and scaling our operation and just the corresponding social impact that that's going to create.
1: I think what you do is so much more important because not only are you recycling, you're able to give back to the community. There are many e-waste recyclers, but like you rightly said, this is an opportunity missed if you don't give back to your community.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, It's it's been such a joy. And I mean, really, it's like one of the main reasons we went through a rebranding process to to change our name to Phoenix Solutions, that whole imagery of, of Phoenix, you know, rising up from the ashes and um, just the process of regeneration and renewal. We got to work with a branding agency and they made that suggestion and it was just such a, a perfect fit to describe what we get to do.
1: In the beginning of the episode, you mentioned that there is no facility in the United States which extracts these e-waste. Is that correct?
0: That is correct, to my knowledge, yeah.
1: So what happened? So now I'm assuming the empty ships coming from overseas are going back with our electronic waste.
0: Yes, exactly. So you, you've got different facilities, and a lot of them are collecting large volumes of all the, the e-waste. They're sorting it, they're processing it, and then they're selling it to vendors overseas. When it goes overseas, those vendors are then taking it and they're extracting the precious metals from all the different commodities that they're receiving.
1: Which is basically like a commodity. So it's gone back. So now there's gold and the gold is reused again in making your phones.
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: And so you registered as a nonprofit, right?
0: We're actually a for-profit. We're not a nonprofit. We we work directly with nonprofits. And like, like I mentioned earlier, the social impact initiatives, we got into it. And from the former partner and his model, and essentially what would happen in the the way we used to drive social impact was when we would sort the material, we would identify what we were refurbishing from what was getting recycled. We would then give all that recyclable material to uh, what's called a sheltered workshop for the disabled. And I'm not sure if if you know what those are.
1: Right, right. So they help you sort it or?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like when I first got into this 2011, we would give all the unsorted, unprocessed material to the sheltered workshop. And then they would have higher functioning uh, individuals with different disabilities processing the equipment. And so it was just our way of giving to the local community Um, that was creating more jobs and more work for them. And then in the down again, the downstream process when they would send that to the, our vendors that we work with, they were getting paid for those materials, that revenue would then go back to the, the sheltered workshop. So we did that for, I'd, I'd say about three or four years, and we end, up, we end up shifting our model. It was kind of a challenging model to sustain. You'd have to have a lot of attention to detail with all the different sortings that had to be very exact for the vendors. And then just the sheer volume that we are generating we ended up having to bring that process back in house, but we wanted to continue the same model of social impact. So we began to give the revenue from the recyclable materials to a nonprofit. And as we began to kind of scale the operation and want to make the impact a bit more visible and tied to the client, what we're doing now is really with all the revenue we generate on the refurbishing side, that's, that's actually the primary revenue generator we, we have uh, what's called an ERP software that's able to track the, the net value of our clients. And then we're able to pay out a commission or a consignment uh, to either our upstream client as a way of sharing the, the revenue, essentially, or in a lot of situations for them as a depreciated asset. So that mm-hmm. they, you know they had it for two or three years. They wrote it off their books and they're just trying to to do the right thing and recycle it and they're not you know super interested all the time about the money they might be able to get back from it and so we actually direct that revenue toward different nonprofits that we're partnered with
1: and don't get me wrong i'm actually happy that you have a for profit business recycling electronics
0: one of the things that's amazing though about the shelter workshops is that you know i would go there and drop materials off and some of their team members and their the people they employ had worked there for multiple decades you know two three decades that they'd worked there and so for them it was just like a place of really meaningful contribution getting to do something significant and then it was a place for connection and community and so like we really enjoyed the, the time we were able to have with them.
1: Do you partner with any cities? Because I'm in West Lafayette, Indiana, and there is an e-recycling day or events which keep happening where the city collects your e-waste.
0: Yeah, exactly. I know a lot of different recyclers like us will do that. We we haven't ventured that direction ourselves with city partnerships.
1: I hadn't heard about your company or what to do with my electronics until I started researching your company. Mm-hmm. How do you educate people that don't put it, don't put that phone in the trash? Or the common mistake is they put it in their recycling because we have mixed stream recycling. They're like, somebody will figure out what to do with this iPhone 3 that I have. And they just put it in there. Does it even get picked up or just gets crushed? Or
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure most of the local uh, waste management systems, they will work with a vendor like us to then redirect electronics to somebody like us.
1: Even if it's mixed stream, even if it's mixed with my glass and my paper. Yeah, because
0: a lot of times those materials have to get sorted anyways, and so they'll get sorted out.
1: So the recycling standards, do they change by state do we have a uniform standard?
0: We actually don't have a uniform standard. I, I know that only about 19 states actually have laws banning electronics from regular trash. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something like, I know that on the Illinois side, because we're right next to Illinois, Illinois has laws about it, but Missouri does not.
1: So You are making a living out of e-waste. Why does the state not think of you as a business opportunity? Say I was manufacturing something else, right? They would want to give me incentives to stay in state, to improve manufacturing. Why are they not passing rules where more companies like you can flourish? Because if more people recycle, if more people turn in their e-waste, their electronics, there could be more companies like yours.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Going back to the earlier figures, if only 20% of e-waste is documented to have been collected and recycled... And you know, you could really you could substantially increase that number, it would correspond to a lot more jobs. I've heard a figure that if compared to disposal in landfills or by incinerators, reusing or recycling computers could actually create two hundred and ninety six more jobs every year for every ten thousand tons of computer waste processed.
1: So how many tons do you process in a year?
0: We have processed about eighty tons last year. And there's there's estimated to be think it's like 50 million tons globally produced every year, every year. Yeah. And then about only 20% of that is, you know, actually documented to being collected and recycled.
1: What if I'm an individual and I want to give you my laptops? You talked about giving back to the businesses, like a net value back, right? Yes. Would you do that For an individual, too? A lot
0: of times it it would depend on the laptop value. If, say, for example, if we were to get a a phone call from a local consumer that had materials, um, since we're providing the data destruction service, that service is actually offsetting a lot of times the value of the laptop or the the desktop. And so if if they specifically ask for some kind of value recovery, uh, we would encourage them to just... Reload the software on it, make sure that the data has been wiped and then to just resell it on, you know, a platform like Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or something like that. It's when we're working with like larger businesses where we're dealing with hundreds of assets that we're able to offer the value recovery services.
1: I saw this on your website. It said three missed opportunities in enterprise IT asset disposal. What is that? And what can companies, corporations, nonprofits do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. The three main missed opportunities for larger enterprises would be not working with a certified recycler, computer recycling professional. The second would be underdeveloped data management practices. And then the third would be working with a, a recycler that doesn't have any social impact initiatives in their business model.
1: Could you elaborate your point, underutilized data? Yes,
0: absolutely. Uh, so being in the industry for nine years, and we do a lot of wholesale purchasing from other recyclers and in that process, we've been in their facilities, we've seen their operations, and it's easy to think of the industry like if you if you don't know much about the industry, it's, it's hard to, to understand all the nuance that goes on um, in the day-to-day operations. But since we've visited so many, we see a lot of actually poorly run recycling operations where they don't have a lot of security in place or they don't have software that will track every load coming from all of their vendors. And that tracking process is, is really important, specific to data management. Any size business, every all businesses care about cybersecurity. Um, they care about not having any data leaks. And so if you were to entrust that information and in that process to a recycler that has substandard operating procedures, then, you know, if an asset tag isn't getting put on a cell phone or on a laptop and you just have computers everywhere. And if you're a bit sloppy or lazy in how you manage those all those materials, it's very easy for stuff to kind of slip through the cracks. And a lot of people, a lot of business people in the industry, they're actually doing what we do and they refurbish and we sell. And so you could have a local computer shop in town showing up to a vendor like us to buy material and if that vendor isn't on their game in terms of data destruction did they what what process did that asset go through who did it get sold to was it triple pass wiped was the hard drive crushed or shredded when all that isn't getting tracked and there isn't a like a, a really tight controls and accountability, and it's easy for for stuff to slip through and not actually get destroyed, and that could be a big vulnerability to to business. So the encouragement there, the, the missed opportunity there, would be to to dig in and, and and dive in and learn about the the what specifically data management practices that the IT asset disposal professional is providing and to know that they've got either really that industry certification going back to that the the first big missed opportunity Uh, there's a certification called r2 standard there's another one called E stewards and then there's the the data management one that's specific for for nade
1: now we are still in the phase of work from home school from home all across the united states and across the world. In one instance, 20,000 more laptops were distributed to kids, to K-12 students in Boston itself, just in Boston. What will happen to these five years from now?
0: Yeah, ideally, uh, those laptops would go back to the school. And then a lot of schools are working with recyclers like us, like Phoenix Solutions, um, to do either value recovery or recycling services and the data district.
1: On that positive note, thank you, James, for coming on Mindful Business.
0: You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me.
1: If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send us a message on our Facebook or Instagram page. If you learned a thing or two from this episode, share it with one friend. Like, share our Instagram page, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. We recorded this podcast in West Lafayette, Indiana. Tatum Gale, composer music for this podcast. This is Vidya Iyer with Mindful Business.